Hey, ladies and gents, and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. As always, I'm joined by Dom. We're in T-Lao 2 territory, fellas. Let's go. Let's go. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> and Last Jordan. of Us 2. Oh, okay. T-Lao is like, what the heck is he talking about? Uh, and Jordan's <laughs> with us today. Greetings and welcome to the autumn season, gentlemen. The autumn season, yeah. Fall starts on my birthday, so... That's cool. It's definitely, it's one of those things where, like, people write it, you know, and post and stuff as T-L-O-U, and um, that's how I that's how I read it in my head, but I hadn't said it out loud until just now, and it does sound kind of weird. Tom, are you going <laughs> to say Hubbada to Jared? What's Hubbada? What was his birthday? Oh, yeah, I mean, I did, yeah, happy birthday again, Jared. I mean, he told me in Hubbada, the chat. Jared, but, Hubbada. Yeah, thank Hubbada. you, guys. I'm making fun of your fucking oh, my acronyms. T-Lau thing. God. Uh, yeah, so I think I'll I'll go first with what we've been playing. Um, I'll hold off for, for Link's Awakening, so I'll, that can transfer into or transition Ooh. into Dom's thoughts. Uh, I guess the only things to mention are Apex Legends. The season two is ending this week. Uh, season three starts October first. I reached level one hundred in it, which is dope. I got a really cool gun skin. And then there was a bonus gun skin that kind of evolved that one. Uh, the same skin, if you reach 110, it's like a bonus reward. So I was able to get that too. So this is the first time in any like multiplayer games battle pass that I've actually reached like level 100. Like I never did it for like Fortnite, though I didn't really play Fortnite. Um, or even like Magic the Gathering Arena. Uh, but speaking of Magic the Gathering Arena, the day of recording this, uh, September 26th, they officially launched out of beta. And it's actually the release of the newest set, which is called Throne of Eldraine. And every magic set is based on, like, something, right? Uh, It it takes inspiration from either some sort of, uh, like, fantasy world or some specific, like, fictitious theme. Um, And this set is all about fairy tales. Funny enough, though, is there's a lot of cards in this set that look straight out of the world of dark souls right because with fairy tales you it's more of like grimm's the grimm's brothers fairy tales as opposed to like disneyified fairy tales right so it's a little bit darker uh in tone um and what is the character's name jared in what the title of the set is called throne of eldraine eldraine i I believe that's how you you pronounce it's e-l-d-r-a-i-n-e Eldrain, maybe. Eldrain, yeah. something yeah, that's, like that. The reason I stopped to ask was just because I'm I love kind of like elvish sounding words and names. So, so yeah, the cool thing with this for it being based on like fairy tales is there's a lot of elves, fairies, dwarves, and giants in the set in terms of like building decks around specific creature types. Um, and the cool thing is since I play this game almost every day, sometimes for like you know. 20 minutes sometimes I just pop in and pop out but I had so much gold stored up that today the day of launch I was able to crack 60 packs with all in-game currency that I earned uh, and then because you earn these um, like tokens that you can create certain cards that you're missing for common uncommon rare or epic cards or mythic in Magic the Gathering's case I had so many of those built up too that I was literally able to get most of the set and create and craft the cards I wanted that I didn't pull in the packs 
So now I just need to go through and build some new decks for the new rotation in Magic. Because if you're unfamiliar with how Magic works, whenever a new set comes out, other sets rotate out of standard. So it keeps the game refreshing so you don't have like the same punishing decks you're playing against over and over again. At least in the standard game mode, there's obviously like Modern and other game modes that allow you to play with older cards. Um, what else? Oh, I guess I'll just... That's it for those two games. I'll go into Link's Awakening. So, for the uninitiated, I never played the original Link's Awakening or the DX re-release. I never played this game. So, all I knew going in was that it was a Link, uh, you know, Legend of Zelda game in the traditional style. And that there was a bunch of weird, like, other Nintendo property characters in the game for some reason. So, going into this, obviously, with the remake, it has a beautiful new art style. Uh, it, I'm having a blast with it, Dom, me and you talked about it a little bit, that it's, it's really weird, but it's, it's actually quite, like, endearing in that way, like, it's weird to a point where you kind of fall in love with how weird it is, um, I'm currently three dungeons in, uh, there's eight total dungeons, because you have to get each of the instruments to wake up the wind fish, uh, I will say I got stuck at one point, uh, how far are you, Dom? I'm five dungeons through. Okay, so you know the third dungeon that ha puts a focus on bombs and, like, the two final bosses are, like, those weird beetle things that eat the bombs? Yeah. Yeah, so I got stuck at that point because I didn't have any bombs. Mm -hmm. And instead of leaving and going to the shop and buying bombs, I decided to backtrack and uh, back and forth and just crush pots until I got uh, ten bombs again. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, which there is kind of frustrating. I actually ran into the same problem. They didn't, they didn't plan that out properly. I think, um, but there was a room I found uh, off to the right or whatever in that dungeon that consistently spawned one bomb every time I went in and out <laughs> yeah. in the pots. So I was able to at least do it. It didn't take too long, right? But I did run into that same problem. Where I'm like, I knew that's exactly where I had to go, and I knew that's how I had to beat those big worm things. But yeah, I didn't have enough bombs, and the the spawn for the bombs in that dungeon weren't adequate for a dungeon that requires so many bombs <laughs> and this goes to the point of you know when people talk about remakes it's like well how how much do you want them to change it from the original right like how much do you want them to modernize it to make it feel like it deserves to be remade and played in the current day right mm -hmm. not so that that dungeon had that problem but it also had the problem that you actually get a silver an extra silver key in that dungeon and i was wondering i was like why do i have an extra key and i looked at the map and i couldn't find the room i couldn't find the room so after I, I kind of knocked my head against the wall trying to figure out what the hell this key was for, I Googled it. Turns out in the original release of Link's Awakening, there was a way that you could trap yourself where you couldn't complete the dungeon, so they added an extra key. But with the re-release, they didn't fix that issue, and they didn't remove the extra key. So you just end <laughs> up with the extra key anyways. Okay. Uh, I was yeah. wondering the same thing, because I got the key at the end, and I'm like, what the hell do I need this for? <laughs> I just forgot about it, though. <laughs> yeah, it's very weird. Uh, mm -hmm. The Crane game, I've seen mixed opinions on it of people really having a blast with it or really finding it irritating. That thing's, <laughs> like, super easy for me. Like, I have no issues yeah. with it at all. Uh, I go in there and I clean houses. It was the way yeah. I farmed to get rupees to be able to get the bow really early on. Uh, it's, like, 980. Sorry. I thought you were finished there. Uh, I was just going to say, like, I've heard a lot about the game's performance. No issues for me, weirdly enough. 
I don't yeah, know if died the same way, but I haven't had any frame rate issues or really anything. Yeah, I've not noticed anything either. It's been running perfectly smooth for me. So, And I've also been only playing handheld, too. It's not like I was only playing docked. Uh, me too, actually. Sounds so. like that is a little bit uh, better performance-wise handheld in this uh, particular case. Um, have you listened to uh, Tim Getty's thoughts on the game, Kind of Funny Games Caster? No. Either. Okay, he was saying that the game uh, sounds like it has like a vignette filter around the edges of the screen. I mean, it's part of like the tilt shift, like nature of right. the art style in general. It doesn't right. really. I honestly, until you saying that now, I haven't really even noticed it to the point of it like bothering me or anything. Yeah. It's funny because uh, not just that specifically is what uh, bothers him. Although I will say, for me personally, um, like, uh, what is it? Valkyria Chronicles, basically everything being in vignette, that fucking bothers me. So, um, but no, he's talking about how it actually can per- affect the performance and how uh, he's even noticed it causing some sort of flicker effect. Um, I haven't played the game and I also am not in that dude's head. So. I don't necessarily know exactly what he's talking about, but I just wondered if you guys had experienced something similar and already knew what I was getting at. Well, I knew about the performance issues going in, and I was expecting sure, to see rate. them. Yeah, and I was... I, I, I haven't noticed stuttering. I haven't noticed frame rate. I haven't, like, nothing, really. Like, it's actually pretty yeah. surprising because it seems like such an apparent issue with people that right. I guess it's like the telltale thing I've t- talked about of, like... Those problems were so common, and yet, through every, yeah, every Telltale game I played, I never got any of those issues, like the weird like skeleton in Batman where he didn't like have a face, or a lot of the issues people had in Walking Dead. Like, for some reason, I was just extremely lucky with that stuff. Because when you look at it on YouTube, it's like, oh, that's really apparent. I just, I never, I'm lucky enough to like dodge that stuff. Sounds like Dom was too for Link's Awakening. Yeah, I didn't notice anything in, in Link's Awakening. There's also the aspect of it as some people are just more sensitive. Doesn't That feels like a, a too strong of a word. Like, No, I think it can I be mean, accurate because it, it, it can people, bother some people more than others. Like Jordan said about the vignette stuff, it's like for some people, some things like that are, you know, more well, I meant like I meant more literal and like uh, the people that are used to playing everything maybe on PC at 60 frames per second are going to oh, notice okay. probably yeah. frame drops, you know, quicker and more often than someone who's used to playing on like a base PS4 for example where everything's at 30 and often dropping. You probably kind of get used to it so it doesn't you don't notice it as much. And that, yeah. I, that's not meant as like an insult or whatever, you know, just like if you're used to something you might be you might notice more when it isn't quite up to par, I guess. Yeah. Your standard for what you expect or what right. your eyes are used to seeing. Yeah, that's a yeah. bad point. I always wonder that, like, you know, obviously uh, video game glitches can be specific to literally one individual or can be widespread, but how much of it is going on without, you know, there's got to be people out there that are playing a game that is glitching and they don't notice it glitching, right? And I'm not saying... That's necessarily happening with you guys. I'm sure you would recognize it, but I'm sure there's people out there that are playing like busted ass games or whatever, and then um, maybe someone else happens to have that up that same issue and it gets reported elsewhere and gets added to the update for 
um, the next patch, but it's just interesting to think that there's probably plenty of people out there not even realizing just because they don't see games in that way. Uh, I don't have any, anything else to add. Obviously, I'm only I'm not even halfway through because there's eight total dungeons. Uh, Dom, is there anything you want to add before we move over to Jordan about Link's Awakening? And no, I mean I'm I'm, I'm loving it. This was a a game that I had originally played, you know, on uh, the DX version on Game Boy. Uh, for me, it was a Game Boy Color by then, but uh, so I was super hyped for this. I'm I'm still in the camp, although I proved myself wrong. I'm by buying the game. I'm still in the camp that it costs more than it should, but I don't. This is back to like the cross versus X thing. It it definitely should cost to me like forty or fifty bucks if it were any other IP, um, and it's a Zelda game, so they can justify charging sixty for it, which is ultimately proven right by me at least because I bought the damn game for sixty bucks, and I'm sure a lot of people did. I expect it sold pretty well, um, but yeah, I just I had to point that out because that's been a topic of discussion. Like this is a remake of a Game Boy game, so it's already smaller in scope that when it first launched on Game Boy, it was like 30 bucks, and now they're charging 60 for it. It just feels a little odd, but it's Zelda and it's Nintendo, so they can do it, I guess. I think yeah. it's funny that I've heard so many people say it feels a little odd. To me, it's just blatant. Like, it's not... It doesn't feel even a little bit odd. It's just totally like... Same with Marvel Ultimate Alliance. It's like... I think Nintendo thinks they are so fucking bad to the bone that they can just do whatever they want and yeah <laughs> but but they're right is, i think <laughs> but the, but but the thing is is they are so convinced of it and it's one of those things of like believing something so much can make it true and so they push so yeah. hard into that mindset that they it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy where it's like they are so convinced of it that others around them are starting to fall under that spell and they're like sure i'll pay you know a hundred dollars for this stupid mini console with a two-foot hdmi cord and all like 12 <laughs> games that i could emulate anytime i want which apparently you guys are just using roms that you downloaded off the internet in the first place so which is so funny because Sony tried the same thing with their own portable console, and that thing flopped. Like, no one yeah. got it. Yep. They're like, no, so it's, it's way too overpriced. It's interesting because it's kind of like there's – Jordan, you're definitely right. That's definitely part of it where, like, if you set the price high enough yourself, you're kind of – you're indicating the quality of it. But sometimes that doesn't work if it doesn't follow through and your Sony and your thing sucks. But if you're Nintendo yeah. and, and it's there and people pay for it, then it works. So it's kind of like a, a, a double thing. Um but, I mean, think I about think it. A lot of times you'll buy something because it's a, a certain price. Like, you want to pay more for something or at least you trust it more because it costs more. I mean, right. certain things more than others, right? Like, you don't want the cheapest doctor you can find. You, you'd you be right. more comfortable paying more for a doctor, right? Um, and so, things are worth what people are willing to pay for them. Yeah, absolutely. And that's my issue uh, is that, unfortunately, we are in this state now where – uh, a lot of us are just like slaves to Nintendo in that sense, and <laughs> it would be one thing. It'd be one thing if the the premium controllers that they're putting out were actually you know worth an extra ten bucks over the Xbox One or DualShock Four. But the fact of the matter is, is the HD Rumble is it's not what it's cracked up to be. Like it's not. Ha First of all, it's in a lot of situations way too intense. And it's like, 
it's like having your phone on like the loudest metal surface without a case on it and it just echoes throughout your entire house and i don't know i'm going on a way long tangent about <laughs> hd rumble at this point but joy con drift whatever you want to talk about i just think if you're going to talk up your premium product and charge us an extra 10 bucks or how much ever fucking put the quality into the build please you know yeah and that stuff and the prices never dropping for their games irritates me yeah. more than Link's Awakening being 60. And, yeah. But just because well, in comparison, it doesn't seem as great. stay 60 is the thing, you know? Exactly. I mean, I got it for 40 technically because of, like, the uh, the coupon thing, whatever the hell they're called. The uh, oh, yeah. vouchers. vouchers. Yeah. So I was able to justify it in my brain that way of, like, oh, I only technically paid 40 bucks for it. So. Um, It'd be 50, right? Well, no, because you'd assume that I'm going to be getting Pokemon, which is a $60 purchase. And you pay a hundred dollars for the vouchers, so sixteen forty. Oh, you're not counting them as two fifty dollar vouchers. You're counting it as one forty huh. and one sixty dollar vouchers. Clever, yeah, exactly to make it better. You're really, brain. you're really playing with your mind there, Jared. <laughs> yeah, whatever you helps it. you sleep at night. Exactly. Uh, before Jordan goes, anything else you want to mention, Dom? Uh, yeah, I, I also played a lot of uh, a lot more of Dragon's Dogma on the Switch. It's a really cool fucking game. I wish more people played it. You think it'll ever get a sequel? Yeah, I do. Um, Someone did an interview with the creator, who is also creator or director. I don't know. I don't even remember the guy's name. uh, From Capcom, right? Um, He also did like Devil May Cry, and he talked that that guy talked a lot about how how much he liked making this game and the different things he did um, that were unique to this game, which are still unique to games. Some of them, which is I find bizarre. Like the the pawn system in that game. Is so damn cool how that functions um it's like even a step cooler than the multiplayer in like dark souls uh, in those games it's super innovative and i'm surprised that oh, we've not seen more like that but. well this the sales success too of devil may cry 5 and the critical success could lead towards capcom giving him more leeway right and letting him pursue a sequel for it so yeah it's one of those interesting midpoints where it's not it's not like something uh, that was released and then you never hear much about it. It's something that's been ported to so many different systems. So it's like, clearly there's, they, there's some value in it, but not enough for a sequel, but just for a bunch of ports of the first... You know what I mean? It's this weird exactly. middle ground where you can't really tell uh, for sure how, how valuable it really is. But that's been that's been a fun game. Um, it's pretty large, too. And it's, and it's actually an interesting one. It's the first example of a, a Switch port that I've seen, um, like graphically, it's a uh, has some issues. Like everything pops in late, like environments, like trees, and especially stuff in the distance. But even characters, you'll be like, someone all of a sudden will just ten feet in front of you just appear out of nowhere because the graphics just haven't loaded yet. Um, yeah, super bad about that. Um, it just can be irritating, but um, it makes me hesitant about uh, Witcher Three on Switch, but also kind of excited because if they can port witcher 3 to switch without that problem then that's even more impressive but do you yeah. do you remember the trailer for city skylines and that port was announced like even the trailer was chugging <laughs> on the nintendo switch oh, like no, the trailer they ever watched out, it. Uh, it was yeah not great um no. oh drink sorry go ahead well i'm gonna segue so finish up <laughs> oh i was just gonna say dragon zaga was one of those games that i want to get to but i don't think i ever will you know mm. yeah it's it's kind of niche at this point. It's it's a weird game, but I 
I really love it. Um, last thing, I finished Gears Five. It's a great game. I stand. By I need to get around to playing time. it. I haven't hopped back yet. I need to finish it before Breakpoint comes out on the fourth. All these yeah. games I need to finish, or at least be Pop done bad. with in some capacity. It, it definitely ends on a high. I'll say that. Yeah, I've heard great things. I'm I'm not surprised. I I can't wait to finish it myself. Uh, Jordan, did you play more Borderlands Three this week? I did indeed. Real quick, I would just like to say, since Dom mentioned uh, Switch ports, we are now in the final realm of Wii U to Nintendo Switch ports that we need, Dom. Now, What's missing? Announce, there was a recent announcement. Jared, could you help me with that? I'm trying to... Oh, think. I got it. Tokyo Mirage. Where's the What's that? Tokyo Mirage Sessions. There you Mirage. go. Yeah, fucking... Well, how is Dom the one to know... Of all of us. Sharp F-E um, or something. Yeah, so it's, a, it's yeah. all it is is a Persona Fire Emblem crossover, which I'm definitely interested, interested in. Um, so now, Dom, all we need is that Twilight Princess Windbreaker ah. combo pack, baby. Oh, give which, up on that. They're going to sell them yeah, individually for 60 bucks. As, we just talked about this. Say, by combo pack, I mean $120, which that's, yeah. another th- that's some other Nintendo shit they would do where it's like, you can get one for 60 or the other for 60 or you can get them both for 120 That's what yeah. they're doing with Pokemon, which is so funny. <laughs> yep. So anyways. Oh, man. Uh, they, can't, they just can't give you anything. Like, Jesus Christ. But anyways, no discount whatsoever. Um... So, yeah, we need that last uh, bastion uh, covered there. Um, but, yes, Borderlands, as you uh, inquired about, Jared. I got around to playing some co-op this week, uh, some couch co-op. So, um, this is where the game really starts to break down, gentlemen. Uh, this is where it gets real rough, because... As you know, in Borderlands, you're hopping in and out of menus constantly, uh, changing your guns, your loadout, your gear, looking at the map, in and out, whatever. Uh, and when you're doing that, uh, playing on a PS4 Pro with another person, um, that does not work out so well. It chugs considerably. Like, if I'm sitting here trying to shoot somebody and my buddy's trying to like figure his shit out in the menu real quick, it just screws me totally, 100%. And if we're both in the menus, they're still very slow, um, which is even a bit of a problem in the single player, uh, I would say. But here it gets really bad. And if it was a something where the game really only begged to be for you to be in the menus maybe once every 30 minutes, once an hour, then this would be different. But Borderlands is a menu-intensive inventory intensive game so that is absolutely unforgivable and um it sucks man because they did a great job where you can kind of choose like old school borderlands co-op or the new kind which is the best kind where um i could have my buddy jump in where i was at in the campaign sure he starts as level one and he's not doing a whole lot of damage but we kill a few enemies and he gets experience real quick and jumps up really fast to kind of level it out and meet where meet me where I'm at and um, they also have done it where um, 
we like I even tested it out with him where if you open a chest and you're both looking at the same guns, they'll be specific to the individual player. So um, the ones that I'm looking at will be around my level and will be uh, specific to me as in like picking it up. So if I pick up the weapon in the chest, he can get, if it's a two weapon chest, he can get the same, like pick up two weapons that will be, sorry, I'm not describing this very well. There's not Brief. like individual instance instances of guns, right? So if we're playing together and I pick out the gun out of this chest, the chest is still full of guns for you. Nothing's missing from the chest. Okay. Like on your side of the split screen. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like if it was two guns in the chest, you'll still see two guns even though I picked one up because they're they're individually spread out so that you're not fighting over guns essentially, like you were in former Borderlands games. So that fixes the fact that I almost used to hate playing Borderlands with my friends because it's like, well, I'm a level 32 siren halfway through the story or whatever, and you want to jump in. So we got to go all the way back to the beginning. I got to start a new character, probably choose a new class, and then we can play together, right? Well, this alleviates that because I was still getting story missions done. Um, the progress that we did together when I jump back in for solo play the next day, it's like it all happened normally, but nothing was interrupted. Oh, uh, cool. Quest line, you know, the quests were completed. It's like nothing changed, right, in a good way. Um, so everything went smoothly there. Um, and then, yeah, you're not fighting over loot anymore, which it obviously is a huge loot game. So they fixed those problems, but then even on a PS4 Pro, which is obviously not an Xbox One or a PC... I don't know if you can do couch co-op on a PC, uh, which you should be able to. I know that's kind of a weird thing that PC doesn't have because they don't expect people to use it. But um, anyway, couch co-op, don't you mean desk co-op? <laughs> well, if you're not a fucking loser, then you have your shit hooked up to a screen that everybody can Losers. look at instead of like, oh, look at my fucking 144 hertz 16 inch monitor that I have to sit two inches away from, bro. Anyways. <laughs> Got him. Anyways. Um, so, yeah, they fixed these things, but then playing on a console, it's it's not unplayable, but, dude, it's rough. Like, very, very rough to the point where I'm like, how did they release this? Um, so that is, uh, I guess, the Borderlands update. Um, I've progressed further, obviously. I, oh, and you know what, guys? I guess, I guess I just have to get over it. I guess I'm just going to be forced when I play open world or, you know, RPG style games. I guess I'm just going to be forced to do side quests now because apparently that's how it is. Everybody's copied Assassin's Creed where it's like, oh, you've been doing the main story. You've been doing the main story, and then about three-fourths of the way through the game, it's like, oh, sorry, dude. We want, we really, we developed these side quests and spent all this time on them. We really want you to look at that content that we made. So, unfortunately, you're not high enough level. You can either bang your head against this brick wall or go do some side quests and not mess with this main storyline for a few hours. It's like, why am I forced to do side quests now? That's ridiculous. If I want to, I should be able to go do them in these, like, 
play your own way type of fucking video games, and yet you're essentially forcing me to do side quests because otherwise I'm, there's no way I'm going to be able to com- uh, progress through the main campaign without issue. Are there side so, quests that are like magic tricks at all? God. Magic tricks. Randy Pitchford. You, you like pull, a, pull like a rabbit out of a hat or something? Or USB so, out I of guess, a... I guess I'll end uh, my little Borderlands rant there, Dom, which is, you know, people... Uh, Jared was asking me last week kind of about what I thought about the humor, and a lot of talk has been had about Borderlands 3 humor, about whether it's great or whether it's awful. And um, I was telling Jared, I think it's about the same as, you know, how Borderlands 1 and 2 were, which is that they're, it's very like try hard internet referency, I can has cheeseburger meme humor. And it mm. is uh, most of the time very much miss for me. Um, but yeah, I'll just say that that has not gotten any lighter. It's. It does get to the point where it's grading, I think. I don't think it's necessarily quite as grading as maybe some people might say it is. Uh, because people act like it's just an offense to humanity, almost. Uh, and it's not quite there. It's not quite a crime against humanity. Uh, <laughs> though I'm sure Randy Pitchford has uh, knowledge of some of that stuff. Um, man, there was a joke there, and I just couldn't nail it. I couldn't nail the landing. But... Uh, um, I do think that the humor is just, it's, for it to be as, like, as lackluster, I think, and mediocre most of the time as it is, it just doesn't need to be shoved down your throat as often as it is. I think they just lean on it way too much, and they, I don't know if they think they're funny or what, but they're really trying hard, and man, a lot of the jokes are just like, ah, oh, guys, why? You know, like... It's like the people you go to the mall with and they're like, man, I really want to go check out Spencer's Gifts because it's hilarious. And you're like, no, it's not. Are you guys familiar with Spencer's Gifts? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it was was hilarious in sixth grade. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, there's certain people who just, uh, their humor doesn't, uh, you know grow with the rest of them sometimes and i think borderlands is a classic case of that which to each their own but um, like i said it's just so upfront in this game and i don't necessarily understand why it needs to be so yeah that's that's how i'm feeling about borderlands now um and i will agree with a sentiment that i've heard uh in a couple of different places that uh people have made which is that just that you know this would have been a great game to get several years ago like i've said uh but just so many years after borderlands 2 um the quality of life improvements uh just aren't enough for me and um now like getting to do planets and stuff it's still just like yeah man this is cool and all but um You've had, what, six or seven years, and, and Borderlands 3 is just, you know, a little bit tighter, better version of Borderlands 2. And also, I will say, playing the pre-sequel since Borderlands 2, with the, um, you know, the not, the zero-gravity, uh, like, kind of booster packs that you have jumping around on the moon of Pandora, 
it almost feels kind of like a step back now that I don't have that to access, right? Yeah. Um, I'm sure other people that didn't play the pre-sequel are like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's cool just to run around and do vehicles. But for me, it almost does feel like uh, that it's it's a chunk of mobility, uh, a tool in my arsenal for mobility that I had that is is no longer there. And, and someone mm. mentioned, you know, the possibility of them having jetpacks. Um, not whether the studio uh, person mentioned, but... Um, I think that would be really cool, man, if there was uh, better character mobility. Like, we've seen it in so many first-person shooters with Titanfall and Call of Duty doing their, you know, wall running and their thruster packs or whatever. So, it would be cool to see that in Borderlands. Stuff like that, I think, could have changed the game, but really, they just tightened the screws a little bit. And, unfortunately, some of the screws were left untightened when we're talking about, you know, co-op frame rates and stuff like that, so... It's so crazy to think like a game like Battleborn derailed Borderlands so much. Dude, I, I, I've been thinking about Battleborn a lot recently, Jared. You're probably the only one. It's, well, no, I think, I think there's plenty of us that are looking at Borderlands 3 and being like, wow, wow, Battleborn hurts even more now, you know? Yeah. Um, and... I will say, I think you guys got it right when you were kind of... I was like, is anybody excited for Borderlands 3 coming up? And you guys were like, eh, I'll play it at some point, maybe. And I think that's probably what I should have done, is just waited for a sale. Because I'm enjoying it, but did I need it now at 60 bucks when there's plenty of other shit coming out that's probably going to be... A, you know, I, I feel like Ghost Recon Breakpoint has a chance to be a bigger jump from Wildlands than we got from Borderlands 2 to 3, which is crazy since it's only a couple years difference. So that's where I'm at, Borderlands 3. Uh, anything else before we hop into the news, Jordan? You want to mention real quick? Um, yeah, I will say that um, I have read quite a few comic books in the last week, Jared. And um, I guess I, I read um, through the All-Star stuff, DC stuff, so... Uh, All-Star Superman and All-Star Batman and Robin the Boy Wonder. Um, And I had previously read uh, the All-Star Batman from DC Rebirth. Um, All-Star Batman and Robin the Boy Wonder is part of my wrapping up of uh, Frank Miller's Batman universe, I guess you could call it. Between year one, uh, the three Dark Knight Returns, books and um, Batman and Robin the Boy Wonder and then I guess Batman Spawn which who knows if I'll ever get around to reading that Um, the Spawn crossover but uh, this one is the wildest man because it is uh, Jim Lee who personally I think is the greatest comic book artist of all time Um, I think that this is him basically at his peak um doing some of the best artwork of his career and yet the story that he's doing it for is wildly I don't want to say terrible but it is not good man it is whack as fuck I'll say that um, and a lot of the stuff that I've been reading from Frank Miller post uh, the year 2000 is pretty fucking whack specifically because of his uh, attachment to 9-11 and how uh basically just like fucking honed in he gets on that shit um because i also ended up reading 
Um, have either of you guys heard of the comic Holy Terror by Frank no. Miller? So, originally he wrote this as a fucking Batman story, and it's literally Batman and fucking Catwoman throughout the book, right? But it was so fucking controversial that DC did not even want to touch it. And he basically took the ears off of the masks of Batman and Catwoman and called them the Fixer and just a cat burglar. Um, But it is straight up them. And they're doing the Batman and Catwoman thing. Um, The only difference is that it is... It came out about 10 years after 9-11 and it is heavily focused on uh, basically just anti-Islam sentiments, I, I would say. Um, it is Shit. So, if Dark Knight Returns and uh, Dark Knight 3, uh, or Dark Knight, Return, uh, Dark Knight Strikes Again, I'm sorry, Dark Knight Returns has a little bit of it, that's the first book in the trilogy, then you have Strikes Again, then you have Dark Knight 3, The Master Race. If 2 and 3 did not uh, really get me in the mindset of being like, whoa, I think Frank Miller's kind of a fucking racist, homophobic, xenophobic asshole dude. Um, And the only reason I put so many labels on it is because he is, like, anti a lot of different types of people. Um, But this book specifically just goes after... um, Middle Eastern folk, I guess you could say, in such a way that is just weird and fucked up and and obviously not cool and not okay. Um, And, um, yeah, I don't, uh, it's a 122 page, you know, kind of graphic novel style thing. I don't necessarily know that I need to go into the plot because it's it's just kind of trash, man. Like, first of all, his art. Is, has never been great but he's always kind of like pushed it of like half of his books are drawn by him when they, they just shouldn't be and uh, this one in particular is like the art is just like so rough man like there's so much distraction in like scratch marks and like paint splotches all over the page that you can't even see what the fuck you're looking at you don't even know what the fuck is going on in the panel so even though there are panels where you can clearly tell, like, okay, this is supposed to be Batman and Catwoman going after these, you know, Islamic terrorists in this utterly not so subtle uh, way of kind of attacking, uh, you know, basically Middle Eastern people. Um, and I think that's my biggest complaint with uh, Frank Miller's writing now that I've kind of wrapped up, I guess, the Batman uh, section of. Uh, reading through a lot of his stuff and rereading some of it is just that uh, he has almost no subtlety whatsoever especially when it comes to uh, kind of uh, political uh, themes and um, political ties to the real world I guess you could say but also just in general he has no subtlety and really no tact Um, so I would say that uh, in that sense he is very poor writer um, even though he has um, written some great stuff. You know, Batman Year One, I talked about how I'm not as thrilled on Dark Knight Returns as, as you know, general comic book fans are, even though it's it's still, uh, looking back on it, I think it is the best of the trilogy. Um, but Batman Year One is, is, you know, surely a classic, and Returns is too, Dark Knight Returns is too. But then even stuff like uh, Ronin, 
is really great and is largely what influenced Samurai Jack, my one of my favorite cartoon series of all time. Um, and so he definitely has classics. He did a lot of great stuff for Daredevil and yada yada yada. But uh, post, once you get into the twenty first century, when with Frank Miller, it is largely downhill. There's there's a couple of good books that he's written, but uh, between Dark Knight two and three. Batman and Robin, the Boy Wonder, and uh, Holy Terror. Um, it is, sheesh, it is rough stuff, man. It is nowhere close to where it, he was when he was writing stuff like 300 or Sin City, um, or the stuff I mentioned before with Batman. So it's difficult to see uh, from someone who, uh, had he not written all those poor books in the 21st century, I think would certainly be considered one of the greatest comic book writers of all time so um all that to say is yeah i've, I've clearly been uh getting i guess you could say even obsessed with comic books at this point and um have certainly gone all the way down that rabbit hole and um the frank's frank miller section of that rabbit hole is one that i will not oft be returning to so um Sure, there's some books that I would love to go back to, uh, Year One and Ronin in particular. Uh, but yeah, stuff like uh, Batman and Robin, or um, you know, even like Holy Terror. Like I, I got through it. I read it, and like I'm good. I, I can speak on it without ever needing to uh, reevaluate. I think so. Yeah, I guess um, I won't really uh, belabor too much more on comics since that was a sort of a Frank Miller deep dive. But yeah, shout out to Black Panther. I think that is my favorite uh, Marvel fresh start. We're on like issue 17, 18 now that just came out. And between the art and the writing, I think it is easily uh, that and probably Daredevil. But even this is more consistent uh, as the best Marvel fresh start books. Nice. Uh, let's find in the news. We have no quickie news, really. We're going to be talking about mostly the state of play that happened on Tuesday. That's the uh, the big Last of Us Part 2 one. We'll talk about that at the end. Um, but in terms of what was shown... It's pronounced T-Lau? I, I, I believe it's pronounced T-Lau 2. Um, T-Lau 2. So it started off with Humanity, which is like a weird artsy-fartsy game. And it actually is, is developed <laughs> by Enhanced Games, who made Tetris Effect and... Uh, the VR title Res Infinite, so you can kind of see where uh, where it gets its um, roots from. It's going to be like a weird psychedelic, uh, you know. I don't know if it's if they've announced that it'll eventually come to VR, but the like base game of humanity isn't. Um, but it's just like a group of people running into one another. Uh, one half being black and white, and the other half being like colored, uh, like rainbow colored. Um, that's supposed to be launching in 2020. Um, Nothing else really was given about the game. They didn't even really explain gameplay. It seems like it's probably a puzzle game of some sort. Uh, and then following this, we got a trailer, a story trailer for Modern Warfare, uh, which was great. I thought it was a really solid trailer. Uh, the, the budget for these Call of Duty games is insane. Um, Soap McTavish in the trailer. like Their cutscenes are some of the best cutscenes I've seen in video games. Uh, I would say they've been that way for a minute. Yeah, these ones are like, oh, this is the end of the gen, like, beautiful. Um, The story looks really interesting, looks like they're taking... The reason they wanted to remake this game and even retell a different story, but kind of in the same setting, is because 
the way we look at war now is kind of shifted and the public is more privy to how uh, gray war can be, right? Um, so it, it's going to be interesting to see how that unfolds. The problem is, is that during the trailer at the end, they quickly showed off the survival mode that's in Spec Ops, and there was a little oh, yeah. uh, disclaimer at the bottom that people miss. It turns out that the survival mode, which is the horde mode inside of Spec Ops, is going to be exclusive to PlayStation 4 for a year. So people on people on PC or Xbox won't be able to play it until next October. Uh, That's some real shit right there. Which, I'm still buying this game because I'd never play that mode to begin with. But if I was gotcha. somebody who did enjoy that mode, I would be really pissed off. And yeah. like, it's weird because like, to me, I think getting a game exclusive for a year, I think is less egregious because it's like an entire game. Like you don't have to worry about like you don't you're not worrying it's that you're on buying or off switch. Exactly. You're not buying a, a, a more inferior version than somebody right. else's, right? With this they're like a they're getting like a fraction of the game. With this, I'm paying sixty bucks for the game, you're paying sixty bucks for the game, but you're getting more game. Yeah. It's a sizable chunk. Exactly. The bright spot with this is that it seems that they're all the the like week whenever new maps come out the week long exclusivity isn't going to happen this time around. Instead of that, they're going with the oh we'll ch just take a mode for an entire year. Um, it's obviously it's very anti-consumer. I'd be curious to see what the actual deal was with PlayStation and Activision on this. Uh, it's really gross to me. Like uh, 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 I could even see like a DLC being exclusive. As long as it has its own separate, like, multiplayer server, right? With this, it's like an entire game mode. It's, like, really weird to me. Like, I'm not pissed off about it, like I said, because it's not a game mode I would really ever play, but it is gross. Like, yeah. I don't, even, like, with uh, Destiny, they had the exclusive strike missions, right? And, like, that's a mission. I, I just think a mode is more egregious. I don't know if how you guys feel about it. I know, I know Dom, it probably doesn't affect you because you have no interest in playing that mode either. And Jordan, obviously you're not going to be picking up call of duty, but how do you guys feel yeah. about it? Similarly? Cause this is unprecedented, right? Like there's been exclusive, obviously exclusive games entirely, but like you mentioned, that's, that's a different thing. This is just the value proposition is kind of what makes this especially weird because you're paying the same amount, um, potentially for less of a game than and, and else sorry to interrupt you but so. on top of it call of duty's uh annual franchise too which is another note on this is that the new call yeah. of duty will be coming out when this opens up right so it's not like other yeah, games that have right. releases every four or five years three years by the time that mode is out on other consoles the players will have moved on for the most part exactly yeah it's it's particularly weird because they've escalated right so there was uh i remember there was a bit of a you know of a of a spot made about the destiny stuff that was exclusive in ps on ps4 right and they even they just took it one step activision took it one step further now which is like okay like apparently you didn't get enough it worked well enough for you the first time that you're even going further down you know that path of, of even more exclusive stuff also so. sony too it's a two it's sony and activision both agreeing to this deal you know right so it's yeah. like yeah i think people calling out one over the other i think they're both equally guilty of this because obviously they made the deal with one another um 
obviously I don't know why people are getting mad at the developers. <laughs> uh, like one of the developers at Infinity uh, Ward said, it's like it's way above my pay grade. I didn't make the decision. You know, they don't. It's, it's yeah. not their. Yeah. It's yeah. not them. Uh, so don't be yelling at the developers. But it is. It is gross, and it is a weird precedent, like you said, because they went well, with with Destiny. It was a weapon and a strike, which is still kind of gross. But this is like it's a it's like a part of the game. It's even it's more. Like, yeah. yeah. It is similar to, I think the situation is similar to what we were talking about with Nintendo earlier, which is that the this company is large enough to uh, weather the storm of whatever this may bring, uh, whether it's Nintendo, you know, putting out a game for $60 that may not be, may should be priced around, you know, $40, um, or these guys doing something where... Um, they know they kind of have you by the balls if you're like a Call of Duty fan um, that buys it every year. And um, like I said, they can weather any storm that it may bring, whether it be social media backlash or some section of the fandom, you know, kind of boycotting the game, even though we, we have seen historically that that's not necessarily um, either effective or either even something that people honestly uh carry through on so um yeah i think that they are just looking at it as something that they can push past and by the time this like we were saying by the time this thing gets out people are going to be moved on to the next call of duty and they're not going to care about this this issue anymore so it won't be something that they need to worry about and i think activision specifically but activision and ea uh do that a lot where um, they do stuff I think they deliberately do things that will piss people off and they know it but they also know that they don't care really because the stink that people are going to make about it is not nearly enough to truly affect their bottom line to the point where they're actually going to care about it so I think that's what we have here well and from a critical perspective Whoever's reviewing this game on Xbox is going to have a different experience than somebody who's reviewing it on PlayStation 4, right? Sure. Because one of them has a, a, a mode that the other one doesn't. So it's going to be interesting to see how that's reflected. Uh, you remember the last couple of years where Activision's kind of delayed the microtransactions in the games <laughs> until yeah. after reviews drop. So uh, they're... They also, you'll notice that the exclusive content is going to the most popular console in this situation, which is Exactly. And, you know, people say, like, oh, you know, Nintendo and Microsoft make exclusive deals, too. Though Microsoft hasn't really gone into the content game as of late. They've just pr pretty much been, like, pu like actual titles, right? Like PUBG or Tomb Raider or whatever. This is gross. And I'm obviously, it's Sony's to blame and Activision is to blame. I, I just hope that this doesn't continue as a trend. Um, but with, act like... I know EA is the easy person to point out and hate, and I get that. But, like, Activision should start getting the vitriol that EA does because they're doing a lot of stuff, and, and, and this is just my opinion, that's been worse than what EA's, uh, EA has done. And, like, this is something that's, like, really gross. So, like I said, it doesn't really affect me because I'm not going to play the mode, but it doesn't mean it's not, yeah. Yeah, and I guess I want to say, I mean, this is, like, it, it, if this is the biggest problem we have, then we're in a pretty good place in life in general. But um, I think even if this specific – good lord, Sammy Sprinkler over specific here. <laughs> this specific decision might be like a net financial positive 
um, for both companies, I, I would, you know, predict. The accumulative effect of these types of decisions accompanied by Activision not too long ago laying off a lot of people, um, you know, only a few months after reporting record profits. Um, and then when, you know, the CEO's salary is as high as it is, not that all of these things are directly related and, you know, cause, you know, have a cause and effect on each other, but it all like these things can start to add up and then you end up as your EA who's not a liked company and eventually it becomes bad for business, right? So maybe it might seem like a smart financial decision now, but based on your resume thus far and everything else and like eventually some of this, I would hope, comes around to bite them in the ass in meaningful ways because... I don't. I don't think they realize that there is a possibility of things coming back around. Uh, things that things that they have put out there coming back around to haunt them because, as you aptly put, Dom, it is bad for business and it just reeks of short-sightedness to me when these companies do things like this because yeah they don't realize there could be a situation where they might actually for one need uh, the goodwill of the consumers where they might not be able to just kind of uh, brute force their way into these situations and uh, have their way as it were Um, and they might be in a situation where they could um, where they're you know maybe their backs are a little bit up against the wall I'm not saying that any of these companies are about to fail what I'm saying is Everybody has rainy days, and they might wish that they had treated everybody else a little bit better when their rainy days come. Yeah, yeah. and I focused on Activision there, but obviously in this case it's partly Sony, and Sony also had problems in the not-too-recent past with you know people criticizing them for not allowing cross-play and that kind of stuff too. And it seemed like for a moment they were starting to do some more cross-play stuff, and maybe they were starting to turn a corner a little bit on like some more consumer-friendly choices um this is obviously not consistent with that trend though so that's disappointing the thing too is that this doesn't only alienate xbox gamers it alienates the pc community too you know so it's not just a console thing because pc call of duty isn't getting this mode either that's the thing there's only so many people that you can alienate until you really start fucking yourself over yeah uh, let's get to these couple of announcements and we'll get to the Last of Us Part 2 stuff. So they showed off a Rise, a simple story, which is a really cool indie game. It looks like claymation uh, style uh, in terms of art. It's from Piccolo Studios, who doesn't really have any prior work. Um, the actual gameplay looks like a mix between Journey and, do you guys remember Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons? You guys remember that game? So it yep. looks like a combination of both of those. It's, you're obviously this Viking that seems like he's trying to find Valhalla because at the beginning of the trailer he's burned at the, you know, at the, like, um, what is it called? The, you know, like, uh, when Vikings set their, like, they burn their dead over, like, a... Like a Viking funeral. Exactly, yeah. Um, and then he wakes up in what seems to be, like, the afterlife, and he's searching for something, and then you see, like, a... a you know, stone statue of a woman. So it seems like he's searching for Valhalla. Really beautiful, has some great scenes, and it's not going to be a difficult game, but it looks like it could be a really captivating experience. Uh, that is releasing December 3rd, which is really cool. Uh, Were you looking for the word funeral pyre, Jerry? Funeral pyre, there you go. Yeah, that's what I was trying to find in my uh, 
my file cabinet that is my brain. Uh, next up, they showed the medieval demo that Shadow dropped. Uh, and if you played it, you got the Dan's helmet uh, equipment in the game, which it's a helmet that increases damage to your character. So it's like a way to... Uh, you can choose to equip it or unequip it. It's like a way to uh, boost the difficulty in the game for yourself because everything, all the damage you intake is boosted, right? So it's like an artificial way of upping the difficulty for yourself, which is really cool. So if you're interested in the game at all, go play the demo so you can have the helmet unlocked when the full game releases. Um, I think that's an ingenious thing to do with any video game that you are developing, by the way, which is simple ways for people to uh, change the way that they play your game, uh, for them to choose to uh, play the game differently and um, kind of reformats the experience i think that that is ingenious and that's how you get um you know buzz on twitch uh that's how you get speedrunners interested stuff like that so well even sekiro had the demon's bell which when you rang it made the game more difficult too and you could choose yeah. either ring that bell or not ring that bell uh ring that bell ring the bell yeah so i agree with you it's cool when you add those little things that outside of just a you know a difficulty setting because changing the difficulty can alter trophies or achievements too which sucks but like an in-game item right. where you can wear it and it makes it more difficult can give you the difficult challenge you want without changing any of that stuff or having to restart the game or anything like that uh, I feel like changing the difficulty level just feels more of a standard up or down yeah. whereas the things that we're discussing here is more of a kind of a spatial difference it feels like more of a, uh, a right or left shifting as opposed to just uh, bumping up or bumping down Next up, they showed off the Death Stranding PS4 Pro Limited Edition, coming in at three ninety nine. Uh, so it's a white console with like the iconic black like ink hands. If you have right. seen any of the Death Stranding trailers, you'll know what I'm talking about. And it comes with the a DualShock uh, Four that is like a transparent yellow. People are making jokes that it's a uh, to indicate the P because you know there's like the whole urine system in Death Stranding, so it's pretty funny. Uh, What's and then the urine system. Oh, you didn't see the last trailer that uh, at, at Gamescom? There's a, uh, I'm, I'm blacked out now. So there's basically a system in the game where the main character's bladder fills up and you have to pee. And when you pee, it leaves a like a mushroom in the place that you peed. And Hideo Kojima afterwards said that if enough people pee in the same spot, something magical will happen. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Some people were joking it's that... It, yeah. Uh, that the hey transparent yellow is for the P. Good, good thing we're, we're pushing games into new horizons, right? 2019, here we go. <laughs> right. Uh, number one. Uh, get it. Uh, so today, the day of recording, September 26th, uh, Hideo Kojima also tweeted that the game went gold. So... Uh, lessens the golden shower, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> lessens the opportunity of the game getting delayed. Uh, but yeah, it's gone gold, uh, which means that it took uh, about three months. Uh, sorry, three years and a little over three months for it to uh, the game to get gold from announcement to gold, which is pretty impressive. Gentlemen, I think it's about time you guys took your hats off to Mr. Kojima because you have been. Give me all these fucking meme jokes for the last few years of, oh, I'll play Death Stranding when I'm dead. Oh, it'll be a hundred <laughs> years before we see this game on shelves. You and the rest of the fucking internet. And I told you, I fucking told you, 
give him a chance because Kojima will surprise you. And I'm not saying it's going to be great, but he fucking turned this shit around. And he built the fucking studio in the meantime. Yes. He didn't even have an engine. Like, this shit happened. But they didn't build an engine for the game. Remember, they're using the Decima engine no, from Horizon. Plenty of people don't build their own engines. I'm no, no, saying, yeah, like, but I'm saying this is a feat. Yeah, we also don't know the length of the game, which is going to be interesting because that will also tell, you know, a lot. Yeah, I think it is going to be on the shorter end. I think yeah. you know, six-ish hours probably, maybe. But, maybe. but I, I will leave my words that it did release a lot sooner than I did. I'm interested to see what the actual length is because. There was some wild stuff of people saying it could be as short as six hours, which would be crazy, and I don't think that's possible. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, we'll see when it comes out, but you're right. We have to get our words because it, it's coming out in 2019, which is I just more want, I want people to give Kojima credit, you know, because, like, the whole internet was just, like... I think that guy gets plenty guy of credit. so long on Phantom Pain, whatever. It's like, dude, most of the people making these jokes were not game developers you know i didn't see a lot of game developers talking that shit so um i i am thoroughly impressed that he was able to uh build a studio from you know the remnants the ashes of his former kojima productions he was able to identify the engine that he wanted to use and get it running and working with his team and regardless of whether it's a five-hour game or 15-hour game he was able to create something in that span of time that uh if nothing else has caught people's attention uh, the world over. So, um, and I have my criticisms of Kojima for sure, but uh, for that, I, I've got to give him a tip of the cap. And hopefully it's finished, a... unlike Phantom Pain. <laughs> yes. I have like yeah. this crazy theory that I just now thought of, and it's just blowing my mind. Whoa, whoa, whoa. A Death Stranding theory? Oh, it's so much deeper than you'll ever predict, ready? So There's what so if... There's so many of these. Well, this is, like, next level. Like, no. like So Kojima mentioned, or maybe it was just a joke. I don't know if it was a real quote or not. But something along the lines of, like, we're already playing the game, right? Months ago right. or something stupid like that. I don't know if he actually There's said it or not. Someone else suggested it. So what if, um, when this game releases, somehow embedded within the game and the gameplay, it's revealed that this game holds, like... A, the final piece of evidence that will impeach Donald Trump as the president Jesus of the United Christ. States. We're oh, moving wow. on. So The Last of Us uh, <laughs> Part 2 trailer uh, was revealed. Uh, it gave us More a release date. A Metal Gear sequel. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's coming out February 21st. So a week after what most people thought. Most people were hoping that uh, Valentine's Day 2020. Um, with it, we got some more story details. Uh, Jordan, are you blackout on this? Because I don't want to spoil this for you if you didn't see the thing. Um, sorry, blackout on what? Uh, Last of Us Part 2. Um, yes, I am. Yeah, if we could just like not talk about story specifics, although I know that it that in the trailer you see Joel. The thing is, is like I already knew from the <laughs> reveal trailer that Joel has something to do with this game. Yeah. But yeah. up until now, it, we weren't sure if he was like necessarily a tangible character in the game, and now it seems like that is confirmed. Well, it's so. impossible to avoid like the Joel reveal because every thumbnail on YouTube is going to have Joel exactly. or has had Joel. Ours isn't exactly. because I'm not like that. It's going to have Ellie. I, I mean, just don't I already like to knew he was stuff, in the game but... in so, to some extent, but people were wondering whether he's a part of Ellie's imagination or if he's a tangible character, and it seems like he's more of a tangible character, but... 
yeah, I think that's as far as we should go story-wise. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, what else was going to... Oh, uh, Sins of the Actual Reveal. Uh, Naughty Dog lead game designer Amelia Schatz also revealed in an interview with IGN that Last of Us Part Two won't have multiplayer, which kind of got a lot of people bummed because... If you're familiar with The Last of Us, the multiplayer in the first one was really great, actually quite surprising, um, because the Uncharted multiplayer modes aren't necessarily bad, but they're more tacked on, and it's, you know, it doesn't feel as fleshed out, whereas The Last of Us multiplayer, people found love with, and it had a tale to it, and, you know, people got really involved in it, and uh, it kind of took the gaming world by storm, because people found love with the single player of Last of Us, and when they were finished, they went to jump into the multiplayer thinking like, oh, this is just like a fun time. I'm going to play a couple matches. And they really found it to be a worthwhile experience. So people are kind of upset that the second one won't have a multiplayer mode. There's a couple of reasons for this probably. One of them is that uh, Naughty Dog has announced that this is the longest game that they've ever made in terms of play length. Um, and which means that the scope of the game is probably the largest it's ever been for them. Which means that most of their resources were put into this so if you're you know your ambition your goals are to do this and make this type of game with this type of scope you don't want to pull resources away to a multiplayer mode right some people have speculated that maybe when the re-release happens on ps5 which will obviously happen because whether it's backwards compatible or not they're going to repackage this thing and try to get it for try to get another 60 bucks out of everybody right or at least like 40 um that it could possibly come shipped with a multiplayer mode that kind of gives people an incentive on top of you know better graphics to purchase it again and get back into the world of last of us part two um obviously we don't want to go into any story stuff but i want to hear from at least you dom because i know jordan you didn't watch it and maybe uh jordan you can give your opinions outside of seeing the newest trailer uh in terms of what this trailer did for your expectations for the game for me uh i talked about how i really loved last of us but i felt that the shooting mechanics were probably the weakest part of the game with all the footage we've gotten so far, I think that this is going to be the best gameplay Naughty Dog has put into a game. I think it'll probably surpass all of the Uncharted games. Also in like actual like gun combat and bow combat and everything, it just looks really solid. And surprisingly enough to me, I think that this has a chance to be one of my favorite games of all time. Last of Us wasn't that. like Obviously, Last of Us is a game I really love, and it's easily in my top ten, but it's not like my number one, right? Uh, which it is for a lot of people, understandably seeing this game and the level of detail in the animation and everything that's going into it how you know neil Druckmann's talked about how the first game was about love and what you do for somebody you love and this game is about hate and how that can consume you and what you do with that and he seems like the type of person who would only want to make a sequel if there was a story that needed to be told and i was already i was already anticipating this game but i do think that this is my most anticipated game out of those first couple of months. It, it passed Damn. Cyberpunk. It passed Cyberpunk for me. It's a big swing um, here, Jared. Like, from you obviously being interested in uh, T-Lau 2, but um, <laughs> certainly not anywhere close to your most anticipated game of that, you know, chunk, uh, yeah. release window. So, so before E3, it was Avengers. Big deal. Yeah, before you threw was Avengers, and then I actually was one of the few people that liked the gameplay stuff. I didn't like. I, I don't think it was as bad as people thought, or even the character designs. Um, right. But the cyberpunk stuff like took it above Avengers, right? And it's been yeah. cyberpunk for the longest time. But this latest trailer for me, for Last of Us, really did a lot um, in terms of gameplay and story that 
yeah, it's it's my most anticipated for that like f- month long, where we're getting like four of the biggest games of the generation. It's crazy. I don't think people realize, guys. There's never going to be another time where a big game release isn't coming out. There's never going to be another month where a big game release isn't coming out. Now, you might not be interested in it. It might not be your cup of tea. But it's smooth sailing from here on out, to quote Queens of the Stone Age. Like, Yeah. It's just happening. It's just happening. Even in the summer, we're getting... Fire Emblem, we're getting Ultimate Alliance 3, you know, at least Nintendo's holding down the summer, so it's like, it's it's just a a flowing stream at this point. And to your point, people will look at those games and be like, well, those aren't AAA, Jordan. Look at the sales numbers. <laughs> That's what he means. Big games in terms yeah, of captivating I, uh, large audiences. Exactly. They aren't. They aren't. I would say, you know, for like production budget-wise, I would feel like... Ultimate Alliance Nintendo's is like a... Stuff is like, <laughs> An indie Nintendo's like plus. really there is like their stuff their first party stuff is like the highest polish uh double a you could think of right because even like breath of the wild is not anywhere close to an actual like ps4 open world game right like horizon coming out right around the same time it's nowhere close to that as far as like breadth and scope but um it has a high amount of polish so yeah they're still big releases, nonetheless, right? Uh, yeah. Obviously, without getting into spoilers, Dom, how did, what did the trailer do for you in terms of your anticipation? Yeah, I mean, it, I, I wish I hadn't watched it. I'm definitely, Jordan, I think you Whoa. have the right approach in, in life. Whoa. Definitely. Vindication. Try, yeah, like, you were, you were right to not watch this um, unless you needed convincing to buy the game, which I didn't need that. Exactly. Um, I don't think it's... Sp- trailers I don't think it's... Stuff sp- that, I'm not convinced. That's the only time I watch a trailer now is if it's a game or movie that I'm not convinced of. The, the thing done with it is I don't think it spoiled anything. I think we have some, like, Ragnarok Infinity War hijinks in the editing of it. Oh, absolutely. That's the that's not even the thing that I would be worried about oh, personally. Yeah. It's more just like, oh, man, I wish I could experience this in the sequence of the game with the controller in my lap with my surround sound and it's not streaming over YouTube, all that type, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. I wouldn't have watched it if we didn't do the podcast. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. But yeah. I got to do my service for for the podcast. Take, take a bullet. I mean, yeah. it definitely... I appreciate that because it probably wouldn't be great if it was like, hey, this giant trailer for this giant game with a release date just came out. Anybody watch that shit on this podcast? Uh, crickets. Exactly. the best, yeah. It's just that the trailer certainly revealed some story beats, um, and I expect there will be you know twists and turns we don't know about, of course. But I feel like I know I, I learned a feck of a lot from that trailer. That I, it's not spoil. I wouldn't call it spoilers, you know. Certainly, it's not going to spoil the game um, in the most literal sense of the term. But it's just I, I would have liked to have learned some of that stuff myself and come to the same conclusions. And it wasn't just the trailer, but I've read some tweets from some of the creators that I'm like okay i wish i didn't read that i just wish i could have came to that conclusion myself and and learned that theme and uh and some of that stuff myself again and these are like privileged complaints of my life right now <laughs> but yeah. that's just why i'm just that we have so much else to entertain us throughout any moment like i was talking about the constant stream of new releases it's like i just focus on all my energy and time on stuff that's already out and enjoying that, yeah. and then by the time I'm getting hyped on the, on T-Lau too, 
then it's like already out. It's already in my lap. So yeah, I mean, no matter what, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm two hundred thousand percent hyped, and I'm ready. Um, For sure. I don't know. This is gonna be. I think yeah, I'm Jared. I'm with you. This is this is surpassed Cyberpunk and Elden Ring um, as my most anticipated. Elden Ring indefinitely. has surpassed. Well, yeah, because we don't. I mean, we don't know yeah. anything. Exactly. Like, I, I can't even out. be. Yeah. Well, no, I, it's easier I'm, to be excited for games that are closer, I guess. I think Elden Ring's coming out next year. I, we just don't know anything about it. Yeah. Like literally, yeah. like we have a, a CG trailer. It's like absolutely nothing. And with like from All software, you need to know is is the words George Railroad Martin. Exactly. And we uh, know we know it's a version of Dark Souls that has even deeper RPG mechanics and deeper lore, apparently, they revealed. so. Yeah, but the, the crazy for. thing is, I think if you watch a... deeper? If you, if you have never played a From Software game and you watch Dark Souls 3, Bloodborne, and Sekiro, you could see some of the differences, but you wouldn't know the nuanced stuff that people who have played them, right? With the speed of combat and all the different, like... Right. With the RPG systems and the menus, that's why, like... Until we see gameplay stuff for Elden Ring, it's like, well, yeah, it's going to be another From game with some new additions and differences, but what does it actually mean, right? So we'll see. Um, Real quick on T-Low, I just want to say I'm not going to replay the first game before it comes out because I've already played through the game and it's not one of my favorites of all time, although I can absolutely appreciate the Mastercraft in storytelling that it is. So what I'm going to do is watch cutscenes on YouTube like a movie. Nice. Hell yeah. Nice. Good choice. Uh, we're running a little long, so uh, I wanted to talk about the Batman stuff, but we could talk about it later, Tam. Uh, WB Montreal teased uh, Court of Owls Batman game stuff. People thought it was going to lead to the state of play. It didn't show up. He's in it then for they, years at this point. Uh, then they thought it was going to be at uh, – well, they haven't tweeted in like uh, two years on their Twitter account until this now, weekend. I guess what I'm referencing is like we've been hearing about a possible Batman Court of Owls game. Almost since Court of Owls came out, so yeah. Uh, so it seems like they were teasing this for the Game Awards, which they picked a horrible weekend to do it. Even though it was the 80th anniversary for Batman, you got to understand yeah. that like people were anticipating for these events. Anyways, in terms of what we're going to be playing next week, I'm going to try to finish Control, Gears of War Five. Those are on my plate because I want to get those out of the way and be primed and ready to go for uh, Breakpoint. Uh, I'm going to be playing Link's Awakening in between there too, but that's the game I play like. You know, on the on the side, it's not my like main focus because I do enjoy hopping in there with the. Uh, also, we didn't mention it. The the remastered like orchestral score that they added to the game is great uh, for yeah. Link's Awakening. It's cool. Um, yeah. So just Link's Awakening and all those other games I mentioned. Uh, what about you, Dom? Yeah, more Link's Awakening for sure. Um, uh, shoot, I don't know. I mean, I still have Game Pass, sure. so I downloaded like Metro Exodus and. Pray, so I might jump into one of those. I don't know. They announced a ukulele is coming to Game Pass, which I'm stoked because I was actually it's on sale a lot for like twenty bucks, twenty five bucks, and I don't have to buy it now. I've been wanting to go back and play ukulele. Mm. I just am craving like a 3D platformer, you know, with all of that jank included. Mm. Uh, Jordan, what about you? So uh, I want to real quick talk about something that I didn't talk about earlier from this past week that I watched, which is uh, Midsommar. Uh, also known as Midsummer, a lot of people are calling it. Um, have you guys seen Hereditary? Yes. No, it's oh, on my so watch good. list for the year. Yeah, so a lot of people love Hereditary. Came out last year, and between Hereditary and Midsummer, that is Ari Oscar's first two 
films that he has directed and written. Um, so I was not a huge fan of Hereditary. I think that similar to Frank Miller, there's a lot of subtlety missing that I think would bring nuance to these movies. Um, but I would say I liked this one a little bit more. Um, whereas Hereditary is about, um, kind of the loss of family members and how that affects the family and drives them, uh, to these, you know, far extents. Um, Midsommar is about a group of people about our age, mid-twenties, that are, um, invited by one of their friends to go to this, uh, festival, uh, of sorts in their little Swedish, Swedish village, um, and essentially, you know, it's like this folk horror where they get tr kind of trapped by this cult and all the crazy shit that, uh, you might imagine goes down and it's very, uh, bright and colorful and psychedelic, uh, several drug trips throughout the film. And, um, it is certainly probably too long and drawn out at two and a half hours and that's the theatrical cut, whereas the uh, director's cut's pushing three at like two hours, 50 minutes, I think. But uh, nonetheless, I think, like I said, I liked it better than Hereditary, and it at least got me to the point where I am uh, interested to see uh, Ari Aster's third film. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, but I'm not, certainly not in love with him as a director, or, you know, he's not my new favorite, or my favorite new director, I should say. Um, so, uh, but would recommend it, and certainly to you, Don, since you're a big fan of uh, Hereditary. So, um, yeah, check it out. It is on. It just came out on digital. So um, there's that, and I'm sure I still will probably play some more Borderlands, maybe some more co-op. Would sure, sure love a patch, man, for some of these. Uh, especially like frame rate issues and just the general chugginess. Another thing uh, Andy Cortez was talking about on Kind of Funny Games Cast, and I could not agree more, is that um, some of the enemies are just so goddamn dark that you can't see them in darker environments, and they need the enemies need their own lighting system that you can so you can see. Because sometimes I'm just shooting where there's a name popping up on the screen, so um, or a title in a health bar, I guess, but. Um, not going back into Borderlands criticism, just saying that I will probably be playing it and I hope that there is a another patch, continued patches. So um, there's that. And then um, at <coughs> some point, I will be getting back to Injustice Volume 3. I don't think I talked about Volume 2 on this show, just how much I was in love with Volume 1. Um, and I'll just say for Volume 2 that it continues the greatness Tom Taylor is also writing, uh, written uh, Volume 3, uh, Year 3, I should be saying. And um, I think this is his last of the years, uh, 1 through 5, of Injustice. So um, very excited um, to get to that. And just cannot recommend this fan for, uh, this book for fans of DC, for fans of comic books, superheroes, all that stuff. I think this is 100% essential reading and is... Uh, really like it's tough to say a masterpiece because like Tom Taylor doesn't do the whole run but at least what I've read thus far is 
is certainly a masterpiece. So I'll be uh, reading more of that, and I'm sure plenty of other comments. Thank you guys for listening. If you can, please go over to YouTube, search Controlled Interest, subscribe, hit the bell notification so you never miss an upload. Uh, over on iTunes, if you leave us a review, it helps us move up in the algorithm so we can be seen by more people, which is great. Algorithm. Over on Twitter, you can follow me at Jared underscore. You can follow Dom at Dom Zorios. You can follow Jordan at Melamotus. And you can find us collectively at Controlled Interest, which is at C-T-R-L-I-N-T. That's Controlled Interest abbreviated. We'll catch you guys next week in episode 161. Hopefully I have Control June beat. 16th. 2016 kojima productions tweets our game is still far from being released but the game has already begun thank Ah. you guys catch you next week bye